we had begun our series, as you know, back a couple of weeks ago. We began uh, a series talking about building great servants. And, uh, and so we kicked off this series talking about the heart of a certain servant. And in that particular message, we relayed uh, that it's very, very important that we have the right heart and the right motive as it relates to serving. Because we do understand and we have been taught that if our heart is not in the right place, if we're not doing it for all the right reasons, then we're not going to be blessed. Uh, God always sees the heart. Now, he doesn't judge as man does, but God is always checking on our heart. So we don't, we don't want to just serve, but we want to have a heart of a servant. In, in essence, that means that we really, truly want to care. In week two, uh, last week, we talked about servant evangelism. And in that particular message, uh, God really showed us and revealed to us in a very fresh way that evangelism and service go hand in hand. So when you scale the ministry of Jesus Christ, and one of the things that you see is that as Jesus served, he evangelized. And so he did it within the context of his life. He evangelized, he served. He served, he evangelized. And what we would discover is that the two go hand in hand. Because one of the things that we've come to understand, particularly in this generation, is people will respond more when they understand that you truly care about them. They may not even want your Jesus, but when you show them that you care, they are more compelled to listen. And therefore, that gives us the opportunity to be able to share our faith as we are serving them with the love of Jesus. And so today, I want to continue in our series I want to talk about serving God's purposes. Serving God's purposes. I believe that one of the biggest barriers to serving God is us. <laughs> one of the biggest barriers is us. And, you know, God will spend a lifetime through Christ. Uh, you've heard me say this before. Trying to wean us from our own agenda to get on with his. And I know it's a very fine line between what God wants and, and what is expected of us because everyone who's sitting here and who's listening by audience, we all have responsibilities. We all have things that we have to get done. But somehow we have to figure out how to do those things within the context of the calling that God has placed on our lives. We have, we've said this before and I want to say it again. We will not be able to use as an excuse when we get to heaven that, God, I did not serve your interests. I was too busy to, uh, to share my faith. Lord, I was too busy. I had to work. I was tired. I didn't get home. I didn't do this. We will not have any excuses. God is not going to listen to any of those excuses because God has called us primarily above everything else to go and make disciples. So we understand that that is our primary mission and that is our primary call in our lives. So watch this. So God has given us and he has gifted us. He's given us things. He moved us into locations with the express purpose of being a witness for him. And let me make it more clear in serving his interests. That's why you are where you are. That's why you have what you have. That's why you're gifted the way that you are, because God has done all that, that we might serve his purposes in the earth. And so if, we find, if you find yourself saying, well, you know, I'm just too busy to serve the Lord, then let me, let me jump ahead and say, then you are far too busy. 
If you're telling me, Pastor, I'm just too busy, then you're too busy. You need to rework your schedule. You need to sit down. You need to get before the Lord, and you need to figure out a way to make sure that you're serving the purposes of God. You know, one of the things that, that motivates me is I have this, this fear, this kind of a fear, a healthy fear, if you will, in, in the back of my mind that, 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 that when I get before the Lord, that um, I didn't do everything that I was supposed to do. Uh, that I didn't seize upon the opportunities that God gave me. And I, I had this kind of a fear because you've heard me say this before, and I, and I think it's worth saying to all of us, but, but we want to live our life in such a way like Paul said. Paul said, I, I, I live my life, uh, my life was poured out like a drink offering. And what Paul simply meant by that is that church, he left it all on the field. Paul died empty. How many know that God want us to die empty? He want us to die knowing that we gave our all, we served, and we did it with the right heart, with the right spirit, and we did it in the name of Jesus. And if for some reason, serving the interests of God doesn't excite you, excite you, then perhaps you never made it a priority. At worst, perhaps you were never ever converted, or even so, maybe you weren't properly discipled. But I believe that one of the main benefits of becoming a Christian, the one of the things that happens in your life is you get excited about the opportunity to serve God. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful thing because we have been called for that purpose. And so what we got to be careful to do is that, that we got to watch ourselves and make sure that we don't get in the way. In other words, that, that, that we don't want it there. We don't, God don't want us to have competing interests. Where, where, where there are some other things out there that is competing with the purposes of God for our lives. Because how many know that every single one of us was called with a holy purpose? We've been called with a holy calling. And the fact that we are called to be able to serve and to be a co-laborer with Jesus Christ, how many of you know that that's a great honor? Come on, you believe it's a great honor. Come on, show you. It's a great honor to serve the interests of God. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What matters is what you are doing and how you are doing it in the name of Jesus. It's very, very important that we understand that. And so oftentimes, I want to say this again, that oftentimes we are in competition with ourselves because in reality, uh, sometimes the, the things of God get in our way. <laughs> Pastor, why would you say such a thing? Because sometimes God is not on our schedule. Oftentimes he's not on our schedule as it should be. And so then when we're trying to fit God in, it becomes something that is somewhat of a challenge because you know what? This is not on my schedule. It kind of gets in the way. And, and, and now we find ourselves where, where our will is competing with the will of God and we don't even know it. Here we are thinking, man, you know, I'm saved. How many know that God saved you more than just for you to have fire insurance? It ain't just about fire insurance, brother and sister. It is about serving the purposes of God. We're going to find, we're going to see that today. That God called us and saved us, watch this, to serve him. Let me say that again. He called us, he saved us, not just so you can shout the praise and say, I'm not going to hell. That is a good thing. Amen. I don't want to minimize that. But that is not the full measure and the scope of why God saved us. And I think that sometimes there's a misunderstanding in the body of Christ to whereby we think that it's something that is that, that somehow this is just all about us doing or uh, uh, getting to heaven and us uh, just kind of 
doing our thing and not really pressing in and saying, God, what is it that you're calling me to do? What is my responsibility? And God, how can I fulfill your agenda in the earth? When I came to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to jump right into the word in a moment, but when I came to Christ, that was one of the things that, I, that, that really compelled me in a very, very significant way uh, because I understood that I was born again. And, 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 I, and one of the things that motivated me was since I had this new life, I really need to understand who, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to live now? What is this whole thing all about? And uh, church, we can't be comfortable just being a Christian and then not being conformed and not growing into the full measure and the stature of Christ and understanding the holy calling that he's placed on all of our lives. So I want to talk a moment about the battle of the wheels because, and I want to go to a verse in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 41 and 42. Now, this is a great verse because you got to understand that although Jesus was 100% God, Jesus was also 100% man. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, and, and yet he was tempted, but he was without sin. But you understand that Jesus felt pain. He felt, he went through some of the same things that we endured. The Bible says that that's why that we can go to him, we can pray, because we have, a, we have a high priest who can be touched with the reality of what we're dealing with. He, as a man, had to deal with some things, and in his humanity, Jesus has a moment where if you're not careful, you're listening to it, and you would think that, was Jesus trying to bail out of the thing that God called him to do? And in reality, Jesus, of course, wasn't trying to bail out of the thing that God called him to do. Jesus said that I came to do the will of my father. He made it plain. Not only did Jesus say that, but Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And here's what he said. He said, he said I, 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 I came to lay down my life. So how many know that Jesus knew right from the very beginning that he came to die? Right? His whole mission, he understood that, that he was assigned to die for the sins of the world. Jesus knew that. And so when you read Luke chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, listen to this. It sounds a bit like a contradiction, but really it's not. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he prayed. Here's what he prayed. Father, if it is your will, there it is. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. So here we see Jesus now in his humanity. He is wrestling with the fact that he is about, and I want you to think about just your sin. All right. Now, how many know that just your sin and my sin is bad enough? But Jesus now is going to now, he's going to take on all the sins of the entire world is going to be laid on him in this moment. He is going now to be for a moment, but for a moment, separated from God as he is bearing all the sins of the world. God literally has to turn his back because God can't look upon sin. So now Jesus now is in this particular moment where he knows that he's about to be separated from the Father. We know that he had no doubt. He wasn't trying to get out of what God had called him to do. He understood that he came to die. So what was he saying? He was saying, Lord, in his flesh, Lord, this is hard. I'm about to be separated from you. I'm about to endure the sins of the world. This was huge for Jesus. And he says, Father, if it's possible, it says another way. Let it pass from me. But here's what he says. And I believe that he was teaching us a lesson. Because you know, how many know that the disciples were there that was watching Jesus? And Jesus says, 
nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. See, how many know that a real servant of God, as a real servant of God, you got to come to that place in your life that you say this, not my will, God, but your will. I've had people argue with me about different belief systems that they have about relationships, about sex and different things. And, and, and a part of in my humanity, a part of my humanity says, hey, you know what? I, that's, you know, that's your business. Hey, you know, I'm not all that about that. You know, that's you if you believe that. But, but then there's another part of me that shouts and screams, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I said. It's about what God's book says. Some of us spend time arguing with our kids. I know, I know that if we live in a different time, right, where we believe different things about how we are to deal in relationships and all those things. But how many know that the word of God never changes? <laughs> the word of God never changes. So I tell people all the time, it's not about what my will is. It's not about what I want. You see, you got to resolve that you won't be a good servant of God until you come to a place where you say, Lord, what is it that you want? Because what God wants, listen to me, church. Are you listening? Say amen. What God wants has to supersede what you want. Strong words, but true. So if you're going to be a true servant of God, you got to put God's interest. Here it is. Are you listening? Say amen again. You got to put God's interest way above your own. You won't be a true disciple until you do it. Now, here's the benefit of that. There's the power and the flow and the natural power of God that comes to us when we're willing to say, Lord, not my will. It ain't about me right now. Because how many know that the devil is going to fight you as it relates to God's will? I mean, I've been telling you right now, the devil, the devil will do anything he can to keep you from hearing God's will. He'll keep you out of church. He don't want you to hear messages. He'll do whatever he can. He'll give you a running nose. He'll make you sick. He'll do all kind of stuff because he knows if you ever give a get a revelation, you will experience the power of God on a dimension that you never have before. God will be with you. I'm telling you right now, church, I've seen God work in my life in some tremendous ways recently. I mean, if, if I had time, it, I mean, it's just amazing what God would do. And it's not about me. And I'm not sitting there saying, God, do it. I'm not, it's, I'm not talking to God. I'm not asking God, God, do what I want. I want you to do for me. I'm saying, God, this is your life. This is your life. So God, I want to get on your page. Here's what I think I want to do. But will you please, God, direct me if I'm going in the wrong direction? Because this don't belong to me. This is your life. What is it that you have for me? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We got to come to that before we really see. And there are some folks that still won't let go because you have me know that you have to put God on your schedule. Now, I'm not saying that you, some of us, you, you got to physically, let me tell you something. We got everything else on the schedule, but when it comes to the things of God, it's if whatever I have left over. Oh, come on church. If I happen to have time, y'all see how the devil has lullabied us to sleep and we don't prioritize the things of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We don't put them first, and then we wonder why things are not flowing in the way, and we're not, we're not enjoying the spiritual uh, fulfillment that God wants us to have. Because it's more to discipleship than just getting saved. Disciple, I told you, salvation will cost you. Uh, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. That's a whole big difference. So Jesus taught us a principle there. Jesus said, Father, no matter what, your will be done. And we got to think the same thing every day. God, no matter what, your will be done. And here's what I've come to discover. Anybody with me say amen. Watch this. I've come to discover this, 
that God knows what's best. Come on. Anybody ever watch that TV show? Y'all are too young. Y'all babies in here. But there's a TV show you come up called Father Knows Best. Y'all, y'all know? Go back and look it up. Re-read. Look at it. All you got phones. Look at it. Look at What does Father know? I mean, Father, how many know Father Knows Best? So how many know that? And here's the beauty of it. We've already tried to live it according and do it the way we want to do it. And that didn't work. That's why we got saved in the first place. Is anybody talking to me? The reason why you came to Jesus in the first place because you realized you had a need. Then why then when you come to him and then still try to do your own thing? Look at the neighbor and say, your way don't work. Come on. Look, tell him, your way don't work. It don't work. It, don't, it just don't work. That's why you're here. Because how many know that there's a better way in Jesus? Now let's, let's build on this for a moment. So Paul then says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, he tells us, he says, for the love of Christ compels us. Wonderful verse. The love of Christ. How many love Jesus? Oh, he said the love of Christ. In other words, for the, the God's love, God's love motivates me. It compels me. It challenges me. How many know that we all need to get a revelation of God's love? You know, I, I believe that sometimes people, we get, sometimes we're not careful, man. We get too familiar with stuff. But, you know, it's always good to go back and remember when you first got right with God. You remember where you were? You remember how you felt? You remember how many tears you cried? You remember how you couldn't even hear a certain song without just weeping? And, you know, you, you remember those moments? Those were moments, man, where you just realized the love of God and you realized what kind of mess he brought you out of. And it's, it's a good thing at times to go back and just remember where God brought you from. It'll keep, it, it will keep you fresh. Say, so, for the love of God compels us, Paul said. He says, Christ died. Watch this. Here it is. For if Christ, um, for if Christ, love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, he being Christ, that those who sh live should no longer live for themselves. Here it is. But for him who died for them and rose again. So there it is. So God saved you, right? He died for us. He spilled his blood. He redeemed us. He purchased us. He secured our eternal salvation. Watch this. So that we can't live for ourselves, but now we're called to live for him. That's it. That's our calling. We're to live no longer for ourselves. Look at yourself and say, die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody, nobody like that. But, those, but, but pastor, that's too, that's too strong a word. You know, people ain't going to come at you. Nobody want to hear. That's not how they talk. You got to talk. You can't talk like that, pastor. People think you're a fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty much what I am. I'm kind of radical because I believe that the faith of Jesus Christ is radical. I mean, I got saved. It was radical. Come on, church. When you get right with God, it's radical. It's crazy. It's stupendous. It's out of this world. It's radical. That's what we are. But then Colossians, he backs it up. And just in case you doubt it, he says, if you were raised with Christ, all of us have been raised with him. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died. There it is again. Stop trying to resurrect your old self. <laughs> Let it die. You die. Now, if you don't understand it, see, you can't be a true servant of Jesus Christ until you understand that you died. That the old you died. That now you have a new master. Before 
How many know that you are your own master? Well, really, Satan was your master. You just maybe didn't know that, but, but Satan really was. You, you, you did what you want. Whatever your flesh dictated to you to do, you did. I can't tell you. Let me tell you something right now. If I live my Christian life by the dictates of my flesh, I won't be doing a lot of stuff. Anybody, can anybody be with Come on. If it's all about how you feel. Come on, church. If it's about your feeling, you and I both know, man, man, we, man, we'd be a mess right now. I'd be broke. I'd be, I'd be at your house begging for food. You know, my yard would be just tore up. You won't, you would see me in church maybe once every two years. I wouldn't show up if I just live by the dictates of my flesh. But I got a new master. And the new master says that I'm not to forsake the assembling of myself together with other believers. See, the new master says that I've been called to serve him. So then if he's my master, I got to listen to what he says. Because Jesus put it this way. He says, well, now, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Now, here's what he really saying. He's saying, that, he's saying, I ain't your Lord if you ain't doing what I say. Don't call me your Lord. He said, why do you insist? <laughs> why do you insist on calling me Lord and you know you have not committed to do what I said? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about a willing heart that's aiming and wants to obey the spirit of God. How many know a servant want to obey God? A true servant because they understand that they have a master and whatever master Jesus wants, how many know Master Jesus should get? Why? Because it's his life. It ain't yours. <laughs> it ain't your life. You're, you die. The life you have now is hidden with, with Christ. So in other words, let me put it this way. I wrote this down. It means that when we talk about for our life is hidden in God, what that simply means is that our purpose, our reason for living, our calling, the meaning of life, the essence of life, all of that is found and hidden in God. So if I want to know who I am, what I'm supposed to do, who I'm supposed to marry, where I'm supposed to work, where I'm supposed to live, how am I supposed to live? I'm supposed to be going to this book, right? Because my life is hidden in here. Now, Jesus said, now, if you're trying, if, if you want to really find your life, you got to lose it. You got to give it up, right? But here's what happens sometimes, church. See, when it comes to serving God, sometimes uh, we, we like some things uh, and, and we like some things a little bit too much. So we got to be careful. Everybody in this room, you know where your heart is with God. This is between you and God. So you have to have a relationship with God. You have to be able to know. You got to be able to say, OK, God, God, should I be doing this or should I be doing this? I mean, God has spoken to me about some things. And uh, <laughs> and it's not that the things that I'm doing is sinful. It's just that God would rather me be doing something. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You know, he'd rather me be doing something different because there's a, because I'm, he's my master and he gets to check in and redirect my schedule at any time. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Oh, y'all don't like that, but I'm going to preach that in Jesus' name. Jesus says this way. And this is why Mark, uh, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says this. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. This is the first commandment. Everybody say commandment. That's not an ask. Right? He's not asking you to love him. Everybody know what a commandment is, right? He says, I'm commanding you. Love the Lord. Love him. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. He said, love him above everything else. Love him with every 
fiber of your being. And when you love him that way, it translates into how you serve him. It gives the scope because you, want, you love him more than anything. And how many know that when you truly love some, something, that, 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 you know, you, you, you know when somebody really, really loves something, right? Because they talk about it a lot. <clears throat> they invest in it a lot. They invest their time. They invest their money. They invest their energy in it. That is a, a, is a clue of what's really important to them. Jesus says, see, see, the whole point of this is that anything that we love more than Jesus, that is, in fact, our master. Now, let me say that again. Anything that we love more than Jesus, that is, in fact, our master. You know, Jesus said this. Also, he says in Matthew 10, 37 and 39, this is a verse that a lot of people struggle with. I don't struggle with it at all because I understand the context in which Jesus gave it. He says, for he who loves his father or his mother more than me, not worthy of me. <laughs> and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And who who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, why would Jesus say such a profound, make such a profound statement? He says that you can't love your mother, father, brother, brother sister, and everybody else more than me. But pastor, I'm supposed to love my kids, right? I'm supposed to love my husband. Sure you are. You're supposed to love your wife. Absolutely. You're supposed to love your siblings. Oh, no doubt. But here's the thing. You're not, you're not supposed to love more than God. <laughs> That's the, no, no, so, but, but why, Pastor? Because how many know, and somebody said it this morning, I believe Walter said it this morning in the offering. See, how many know that God is the source of everything? Right? Now, y'all listen to me statement. Now, watch. So God is the source so why then, if God is the creator and he is the source of everything, he didn't bless, watch this, he didn't bless us with kids, family, home, possession, so that we can love those things more than him. He gave, the, he gave us that stuff so that we can give him glory for him blessing us. So he didn't give it. See, a lot of people get it wrong. Man, you know, you know, they love the stuff and they love other things and other people more than they love him. And, and Jesus said, no, you don't know. If you're going to be my disciple, you can't do that because you got to understand I'm the one who's responsible for all of it. The job that you say keep you from reading your Bible, I'm the one that gave it to you. Those kids that you say keep you from coming to church, I'm the one who gave you those kids. Are, are y'all following me? He said, don't love, he's, why? Because G, he's the source of all of it. And then if he's the source, we need to worship the creator and not the creature. Are y'all with me? We let the creature, we give the creature preeminence over God. And so that's why he says, you can't love nothing more than me. And have me know that he's worthy of all of our affection. Come on, give God praise. Come on, he's worthy of all of our love. He's worthy of all of our devotion. He's worthy of all of it because the job you got, he gave it to you. The house you live in, he gave it to you. The car you drive, he gave it to you. The kids you got, he gave it to you. The earth, the air you breathe, he gave it to you. The ground you walk on, he gave it to you. The beauty you see, he gave it to you. The health you got, he gave, he gave it all to you. 
He gave it all. So why do you worship? Why wouldn't you want to worship anything else other than the one who's the source of all life? How me know that we ought to be running up in here giving him praise every opportunity I get? Because God, every time something good happened in my life, I ought to shout and give him praise. Why? Because God did it. He made it happen in my life. Or at least he allowed it. And so when he says, love me first, love me more, how do we know it's fitting that we love him first and that we love him more? Because if we don't love him first, we love him more, then they, those things become idle. And now we are living outside of the scope of, of, the, of the design that God has given us. And usually when people love things more than God, that's when people get in trouble. That's why the world is in trouble today, because they don't understand. They haven't come to the place where they worship the source of life. The source of everything. And so if you're a Christian, you got no problem giving God praise. Come on. If you, love, if you know Jesus to you, brother, it is fitting for me. It is good. I love it. In fact, I love the worship. I know who I am. I know where I came from. And every day that I can stand on my feet, be in my right mind, I can come in here and preach this gospel. I can live my life and reflect the glory of God. You doggone well know I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. Every chance I get. Because he's blessed me. Has anybody out there been blessed by the Lord? Amen. See, here's a problem with serving two masters. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. <laughs> but either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon has to do with money, but, you know, but, but, but be careful how you look at that verse. Because mammon ties in about everything. Because people see money as their source of life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, so they're, they're serving others, so, so they're running off the money, which means they're really running off the things, and they're running off the money because they believe that the money gives them the access to the things they think they ought to have or that they need. And here's what Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, what is a master? I came up with my own definition. This is Pastor Baylor's definition, but, you know, I have some reference points, but. So, defining a master is one who's in control. Watch this is a person or thing that has control over a personal thing. You get that? One who is in control, it is a personal thing that has control over a person or thing. A master can be a person, it can be an object, it can be money, it could be drugs. You know how some people are slave to heroin addiction and drugs and, and alcohol. The, they, these things are masters. And, and generally speaking, uh, masters compete for control. As we said earlier, the Satan is fighting. There's a, there's a battle between Satan is a, is a master of this world. In other words, those who are not in Christ. And whoever we obey, the scripture says, whoever we, we obey, that one is our master. Do you not know, this is Paul talking to the Romans, Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave? Whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So you understand you can't serve two masters because you will hate the one and you will love the other. And one of the masters sometimes, remember I said at the beginning of this sermon, at the beginning of this sermon, I said one of the big barriers that we have is ourselves, our own schedule, because we're, our, we, 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 we're, we're part of our, our own masters and we haven't really surrendered that thing to God. See, if there's something or someone ruling our lives over God, then God essentially gets in the way. Let me say that again. If there is something ruling our lives over God, 
then eventually God will get in the way. In other words, I don't have time for this. After a while, if you're not careful, man, you put God like at the bottom of the thing, you know. This is why some Christians get upset about serving God. Here's the problem, because God is in the way. God wasn't on that schedule. God, you're in the way. How many know, church, we got to be careful with that? Everybody got to, you got to come to a place in your heart where you understand where you are with that and making sure that you're keeping God in the mix. How many, how many know that one of the ways that we can do this is we, we can guard against this is just always letting God, just asking God first. Just communicating with him. Just talking with him. You can't serve two masters. And one of those masters sometimes is ourselves. We got to give up ourselves. We got to die. We got to give it up. We got to understand that we've been called to serve. And so we don't want Jesus competing with our schedule. We don't want Jesus competing with our own desires. We don't want the Holy Spirit competing with that. We need to let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to let that go. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you need, you need to let, your, let it go. Let it go in the name of Jesus. Make sure that it doesn't supersede what God is wanting us to do. We live for him. And our call is to serve him. Romans 12, verses 1 to verse number uh, 2 I beseech you, Paul said, I'm begging you because of the mercies of God, because of all that God has did for you, because of the sacrifice that he made for you and me. Paul says that you present your bodies a living, watch this church, a living sacrifice. Now, you know, he's not just, he said, look, you know, usually when there's a sacrifice, there's usually in the Old Testament, whenever they brought a sacrifice, there was death. He said, here, he said, what I want you to do is, watch this. The idea is I want you to be a living. I want you to be dying to yourself, dying to your own agenda. I want you to die daily for the sake of Christ. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice, that you're constantly living your life and you're sacrificing for the interests of God, which we have all deemed is much more relevant, much more important. Paul says, I beseech you by the, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Watch this. Holy and acceptable to God. Watch. Which is a reasonable what? Then the word again. We talk, we're talking about service, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? Service? He said, it's reasonable service. It's reasonable that if we're going to serve God, if we're going to serve him with the right heart, that we become a living sacrifice. That means that we constantly have to live our life every day willing to sacrifice for the things of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. How many of you love that word? Come on. Wow, I only got one yes. <laughs> a living sacrifice. I'm glad. See, not my will, Lord, but your will. See, if, it was, if I wrote the Bible, I wouldn't have put that in there. <laughs> but I didn't write it. I'm just, listen. How many, y'all said, Pastor, I love it when you preach. How many know I'm just preaching the word, right? Make it a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God. He said, and this is reasonable service. In other words, all good service starts with an attitude of sacrifice. If I'm going to serve God, how many know it will entail some sacrifice? Y'all hear me? Come on, say sacrifice. If you're going to serve God, it's going to be sacrifice involved. Has to be. That's just the way it is. Paul says, I'm begging you, present yourself a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable God. This then becomes a reasonable service. 
And don't be conformed to the world. Stop trying to live like the world. Stop trying to do like everybody else do. Stop trying to be on everybody else's schedule. Stop trying to hold on to your old life. Get renewed in your mind and get improved what is good and what is acceptable and what is the perfect will of God by being committed to the purposes of God in your life. This is what Paul is calling us to. And then I'm coming down here. This is, this is reasonable service. I like how you put it. You know, think about it. Think about the context he says. He says, now, I beseech you, I beg you, uh, you know, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable with God. Then he says, it's your reasonable service. In other words, it's like he's saying, that's just norm. That's not even like a big deal. And how many know to us, being a living sacrifice is a big deal, ain't it? <laughs> Come on. But Paul says, eh, it's just reasonable. It's like, what in the world? So what have we, what have, what have we even Who's been teaching us? Paul says this is like a, a normal thing, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is our calling. So we're going to serve God, church, and we're going to be great servants of God. We got to think that way. Yes, there's going to be times of inconvenience. Yes, it's going to be, I, I tell you, I said this before, I said, it, I said it again, that I've discovered in my life that most of the time God does his most profound works in moments and times of inconvenience. How I many know God will bring job or drop somebody in your pathway when you're rushing? Listen, when you're rushing, you got something else to do. Somebody else, somebody will show up. God will drop them right in your face, and you have an opportunity to minister to them, and you got a choice. Every been time I've been sitting on the plane, Lord, no, I don't want to talk to nobody. And God will drop somebody right down. I'm just trying to read. Oh, so what you reading there? You, are, are you a Christian? I was like, huh? You know, you know and, and, and I'm just being honest. Can I be honest with you? I mean, some, some, anybody ever not want to be, you, sometimes you just don't want to be bothered. But if you're going to watch it, but if you're going to catch the spirit of God and be a good servant, you got to be ready at a moment's notice. Because God will drop somebody in your pathway that needs you. And you got to be ready to preach all the time. You got to be ready to share. You got to be ready to sacrifice. You got to be ready to serve. Then my uh, opportunity might come. Hey, guys. Hey, I just got a phone call. We just got somebody up the street. They need somebody to pray for them. Or somebody just lost their kids. And that, well, you know, it, Pastor, it's, it's 11 o'clock. Well, you know, that's how God moves. I'm just trying to tell you, this is a pattern I've seen. I've just seen that the God has never, he never works on my schedule. Never had, he never will. And I've tried, how many of you tried to fit God on your own schedule? Come on, church. You can put him on your schedule, but in the end, he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. <laughs> you know, you, you can say whatever you want, but God got his way. I was listening one time to Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley was saying one time, a long time ago, how he had gotten so busy, and then God just floored him. He got sick, and he was down for like a month or two in the hospital. And, and, and he knew all the time God was giving him warnings about how he needed to spend more time with him, different things. And he'll have to tell, you got to look it up. But, but, but the whole point of, what it is, of it was that God has his way of making us listen to him. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Let's not be hard-headed like that in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's, let's just, look, when the Lord speaks, let's just go ahead and respond. Let's be, let's be like that old commercial E.F. Hutton. What is it? What did he say? E.F. Hutton, when, when, he speaks, when he speaks, you listen or something like that. When God speaks, let's just say, God, Lord, whatever you say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Speak to me. Show me. So let me go ahead and close this, this thing down. So what should be our attitude in serving? Now we understand that we've been called with a holy calling. We understand that if we're going to serve God, we got to listen. We got to be willing to surrender our own schedules. We got to be willing to, to surrender our, the entirety of our lives to him. We can't try to hold different points and places in our life. Reserve. We got to be willing to give it all up for Jesus. Jesus talked about that, right? He said, you want to be my disciple, you got to give up your life. He said, you gotta, we're called to serve him primarily. That's our calling. So what is that attitude? Psalm 100 is a perfect, perfect verse. It kind of captures the heart of this. I think when we realize 
that to the extent that what God is calling us to do and, and the sacrifice that we all will have to make from time to time, because what I'm talking about, church, here is I'm talking about a way of life. I'm not just talking about something that we just do for a season. I'm talking about a way of life. From now to the time you die, you want to live your life fully and completely surrendered to whatever it is that God wants to do in your life. And you'll be in next week. You want to you don't want to miss next week because next week I'm going to talk about the rewards of serving. And then you're going to see like, man, I really need to keep on going because, man, something is coming around the corner. How many of you can stand to be blessed by God? You know, let me tell you, God blesses his servants. Let me tell you, I, I'm a witness. God will bless his servants. Let me say that again. God will bless his servants when they do when they watch this, when they serve right with the right heart and right attitude. Look at Psalm 100. Says, this is a psalm of thanksgiving. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Well, I can't sing, Pastor. But that's why the Bible says, make a joyful shout. Right? Some of y'all can't sing a lick, but you can shout. If you need some lesson in shouting, find little Arya. She'll teach you how to shout in Jesus' name. Make a joyful noise, a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Look at this. Watch it. Serve the Lord with sadness. Is that what it say? Serve the Lord with depression. Serve the Lord grumbling. Serve the Lord. Oh, I got to do it again. Oh, God. I'm just so sick and tired. I, oh, God. Nobody knows the trouble that I've seen. I'm just so sick and tired of this. I'm just I'm tired. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Watch this. And not with a negative attitude, not grumbling or angry or, you know, but I, I like that. You know that verse that says the Lord loves a cheerful giver? I believe the Lord loves a cheerful server as well. God loves it when we serve and we serve him with a happy face, uh, I, I, with, with, a, with a big smile on our face like the Apostle Paul writing the book of Philippians in prison. And he's sitting there talking about rejoice in the Lord. Y'all know the book of Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and what's the other one? Galatians. There was, we call them the prison epistles because Paul wrote them while he was in prison. But when you read those books, you wouldn't think the brother was in prison. Paul act like, man, everything is A-OK -okay because in his heart, it was all because he knew he was serving the purposes of God. Hey, and if I'm serving the purposes of God, if that means I got to be in some uncomfortable places at that time for the glory of God, OK, I'm good with that. Why? Because he's the captain of my life. Are y'all with me, church? Serve the Lord with gladness. Know that the Lord made us. In other words, we were created for his purpose. We didn't make ourselves. God created us. He made us. He designed us to serve him. You were made to serve. You were made to serve. You were made to serve. You were made to serve the interests of God. And that's why he says, then knowing that he made us, he says, serve him with gladness. Come knowing that he made you for his glory. And then he says, enter his course with nothing but praise. Just praise him. Just praise him. For all the, enter his court, we'll pray. Well, sister so-and-such ain't praising him. So? Well, brother so-and-so, I looked at brother so-and-so, he ain't praising him. So? What has that got to do with you? See, how many know that we know better in this house? Enter his courts with praise. For the Lord is good. Verse 5. Can anybody say the Lord is good? For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. 
The Lord, anybody say, Pastor, the Lord has been good to me. Come on, clap your hand. If God has been good, if God has been, you clap it. I mean, come on. He's been, you don't have to clap your hand for Pastor, please. I mean, give it to him. Even if you don't like the song, give him the glory. It's for his glory. It ain't for you. You personalize that thing and you give the glory to God. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, you and I, all of us can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. What, what are the works of the Lord? It's our service. It's our service. It's our service. Watch this, church. Some of you might, I, I know sometimes we're small church and sometimes people, hey, you know, I don't know. And, you know, God is watching. Let me tell you something. God is always watching your attitude. And here's the thing. He says, you can be steadfast and immovable, always abounding. Look, all your work ain't in vain. Are y'all listening to me? The work that you do in the name of Jesus for his glory, it is not in vain. That's why he says that. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. And look, God is marking every, look, every single thing. It's like God is sitting back. He's checking. He's checking. He's watching. He said, be steadfast. In other words, don't stop. Immovable. Stay put. Always abounding the works of the Lord. Serve him well. Serve him with a great attitude. And make sure that you make time to serve him. Listen, don't let God have to compete with you and your schedule. You submit to him. You, you take your schedule every day and say, God, I got a new week, but here's my plans. But uh, I thought, Lord, maybe I'll just check in with you because maybe there's something else you want me to do. How many know, church, that we can't all give God? I'm trying to set you up to be blessed. Next week, the rewards of serving is coming at you. Amen. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Father, we thank you. For